This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. An ancient sage wrote these words almost 3,000 years ago. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a young woman. That comes from Augur in Proverbs chapter 30 of the Bible. There's another amazing thing that we're going to talk about today, and it's something that you better understand if you're a fly fisher, the way of a trout in the river. You have to be able to read a river if you're going to catch the trout which live in it. Just recently, uh, when I was fishing in Minnesota, uh, we stepped out of the truck and there was this beautiful run just outside the truck. I mean, it was right there. It was probably the best run of the day. It was right near where we parked. And you guessed it. It was against a bank. There were trees growing up against the embankment. It was absolutely impossible to fish, but it was exactly where the trout were lying. (laughs) So when you think about reading a river, Dave, where do you start? Well, we always begin with, you know, the the thinkers and the, you know, the folks who've written the books. And one of those uh, friends is Gary Boyd. And he speaks of three kinds of places where fish spend their time. The first is sheltering lies, and these are where fish get protection from predators. The second is feeding lies, where fish get food and the current brings emerging insects. Uh, They move downstream even as they rise to the surface. And there are prime lies, and these are where fish get both shelter and protection as well as food. So you have to think a bit like a big fish, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And as I was, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this run that was against a bank was really more of a sheltering lie. I just don't know how you could fish it. Hmm. I mean, it was so perfect and they were lying underneath the bank of the river against really against the far undercurrent and it was really impossible mm-hmm. to fish but a great place for where they were lying well let's start there as we think about some of those uh, places then to fish where uh, the fish are going to find food and uh, maybe shelter uh, one of those would be the deep water along the bank that's a great place to start uh, this provides both shelter and food especially if you have an undercut bank and so it's a it's a prime lie I know that on smaller streams uh, over the years I've, I've always looked for these undercut banks in fact I've shared the story before about what really got me sold on fly fishing was uh, when I was in high school uh, my family we were camped in the Black Hills in fact it was Oroville campground in the National Forest and and uh, my brother Dave and I went out one uh, late afternoon early evening in fact it was that it was actually after uh, we uh, we had dinner we grilled burgers or something Thing. And then we went out, took our uh, took our fly rod. We owned one between <laughs> us, and and uh, we all of a sudden we just caught I don't know how many, maybe 15, 20, uh, 10 to 12 inch uh, brookies that were uh, hidden under these undercut banks. And we would drift our fly. I mean, we could hardly even cast, but we would just drift that fly down these banks. Those are boom. great memories. Yeah, I know that. So uh, that's what you look for. I mean, we've we've done the same. A uh, Slough Creek and Yellow. Yellowstone National Park. I've, I've caught fish 
uh, there, you know, along undercut banks. Uh, you did last year at Fan Creek. Yeah, there was that, uh, that nice little run. And it just reminds me that often that you cannot be in the river if you're fishing these. You got to yeah. figure out a yep. way to sneak yep. up, you know, as mm-hmm. carefully as you can on elbows yep. and knees. It's very difficult to catch fish in some of these areas so it's really important that you're yeah. not seen and scare them before you even get up to the, to the bank itself and it's true for big rivers in fact one of the first things i would say when you fish a big river is just to break it down i mean a big river looks daunting and and a lot of uh, new fly fishers think wow how am i going to cast out to the middle well the answer is uh, i don't know and the other answer is really doesn't matter because the fishing starts right at your feet uh, sometimes, yeah, the, the banks are best. I think that's leftover memory from bass fishing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it is. you got to go mm-hmm. out to the middle of the lake. You have your depth finder, and right. you find that you know mm-hmm. where the you know they're you know they're sitting. It's just yeah. different for rivers and where the trout sit in these rivers and spring creeks. Oh, it's true. I mean, I think about the Yellowstone River, and I've talked about this stretch before, but just south of Pine Creek, no, actually just north of Pine Creek uh, Bridge, a little bit uh, down river from the Pine Creek Bridge, uh, there's a stretch of uh, uh, the Yellowstone where it runs by some huge cliffs, and uh, they're, they're kind of rock uh, cliffs, and, and or actually more sandstone-type cliffs, but uh, right below those are some deep undercut banks and uh, especially during the caddis hatch I've done well just walking along that bank or even other times uh, because there are there's some big fish that will uh, rise out of the deep yeah uh, one thing too uh, you know, when you talk about the banks just watch where drift boats fish uh, you know all the money that we spend sometimes to go with a guide or, or maybe a friend who has a drift boat where do you fish it's not out in the middle you know the yeah. drift boats are right there fishing the bank so what else, Dave? Another place is the head of a pool or a run where fast-moving water, a riffle, rushes into a slower, uh, deeper section. And there is a, a run that I used to fish in Elk Creek near uh, Augusta, yeah. Montana. And there was this riffle that round, wound around and then entered kind of this curve in the in the little stream. And there was a almost a cliff, not a cliff like 10,000 foot right. cliff, mm-hmm. but it probably rose maybe 30 feet, 40 feet. And the sparrows would actually nest in there, hmm. kind of mud um, nests. And we called it Sparrow Canyon. I don't know if that oh, was the name cool. of it. But I remember casting into the riffles and then letting it drift against that uh, embankment in which the cliff rose up. You could see them look at it in the riffles, but they wouldn't hit it until the fly drifted into the you mm-hmm. know, de- into the steeper, slower section. Yeah. And so it's a great place for, um, for catching fish and to place your flies at the top of the riffle. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the run or to the pool itself. And of course, these can be long or short. Uh, a run is simply a stretch of current. Uh, a pool, when we talk about a pool, we're talking about uh, something that's deeper or slower. And I've caught some really nice rainbows on the East Gallatin River in the north part of uh, Gallatin Valley, north of Bozeman and north of Belgrade, in a in a gentle run, probably halfway between the uh, the 
the head, the riffle at the beginning, and then the tail. Uh, one thing you want to do when you're fishing a run or a pool is to watch for a moving foam line or, or bubbles. And this tells you where the current is. And where the current is, that's where the food yep. is. That's where it's moving. And I really rely on this in slower moving rivers. Uh, when I'm out to see my in-laws uh, near uh, northwest of Boise, Idaho, they live right on the Snake River. But I go over into eastern Oregon and I fish the Owyhee. It's a, it's a tailwater section. In other words, it's water that uh, kind of comes out of a, out of a dam and and just that that first stretch, kind of the the tail of, of uh, what becomes a more significant river. Uh, that that water sometimes uh, you know moves kind of slowly, and you look at a section and think, man, this really isn't moving. But if you look at it closely and you look for those foam lines, you look for the bubbles, you can see where uh, the fish are going to be feeding. You know, something else, too, uh, within a run or a pool, sometimes the seam between fast water and slow water. In other words, if you you look at uh, fast water and that place where the fast water ends and then there's kind of a a slow uh, pool, uh, that seam is often a great place uh, where where fish will, uh, they'll they'll hold themselves maybe in the slower water uh, because they don't have to exert as much energy, but they're watching for uh, stuff to... uh, uh, come down that that faster run so that that's a good place to uh, uh, drift your fly as well another place uh, to drift your fly is behind or beside a rock uh, this is important in stretches of river that don't seem to have pronounced riffles you know fast moving water right. emptying into deeper pools in fact the river is about the same depth from one bank to the other yeah um, I remember fishing on the Madison where it leaves the bear trap in what we call the rock gardens and there's just a oh, bunch yeah. of boulders in the in the yeah. in the uh, river that create these little eddies and different types of flows and it's really difficult to nymph that but it's much yep. easier to do it with dry flies yeah you can just get it upstream a little bit and let it roll by the you know drift by the rock and uh, go downstream a bit and then recast it's just a wonderful place to catch fish oh yeah you know there's another stretch of the gallatin river uh just south of big sky you know red cliff yep. campground yep. Yep. is yep. in fact we've eaten there at the corral uh, uh, bar and grill and and not too where far haven't we i know where haven't along we that stretch that, yeah that, those are our landmarks those eating spots <laughs> it's not the yeah, runs it's that's the, right it's the yes. food places <laughs> but there is a there's a stretch of river there which really from bank to bank it's all about the same depth i mean there are no pronounced runs there are really no undercut banks it's all you know 18 to, to two 18 inches to two feet deep maybe maybe a little deeper in a few spots but you can walk across it, it it's really nondescript but what i've learned over the years is that there are some big rocks in that and uh, you drift your dry fly by those big rocks and that's where you're going to catch the fish okay so what's another uh place to fish steve another place to consider would be the shallow water at the tail end of a pool that's where a new riffle forms or sometimes the shallow water at the side of a run i mean ordinarily those are the last places you're going to fish but these places can be feeding lies and they work great when trout are feeding on certain insects now i never fish those uh, uh just blindly but if i but i always watch those and and if i see fish feeding uh, those are uh, those are great places. There's to, a place uh, on the boulder where we fish. Yeah. 
often I'll be casting up at near the top of the riffle, but sometimes the best fishing is actually at the bottom where it yeah. comes out. And oh, that's it's actually a little bit, it's not always true, but occasionally you find some, uh, especially if you're dry fly fishing, you'll have them hit at that, what really amounts to the back part of the pool. Yeah. So the key is watch for rising fish. Yeah. My son, Luke and I were uh, fishing a couple years ago on the Owyhee river in Eastern Oregon. And we were fishing this gorgeous run and just weren't catching anything at all I couldn't believe it and and Luke kind of looked around and 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 he noticed here are you know here are two sippers here are these two heads that we keep seeing pop up in this this really shallow uh, you know nondescript stretch right behind us I mean it's the kind of stuff you usually wade through to get to your run and so you know we turned around and I, I think he I think he caught both of them uh, so watch for rising fish they're not always in the places that you think well, Gary Borger always, you know, advises that you should fish it before you wait it. Yeah, good and that's advice. just, you know, you, once you step into the river, you've pretty much ruined that stretch. And um, so, really be careful before you walk into some place thinking that there are no fish there. Yeah, really good point. So, if you want more details, we highly recommend reading Waters by Gary Borger. Um, it's Volume Two in Fly Fishing, the book series. You can find that by going to his website, which is www.garyborger.com. That's G-A-R-Y-B-O-R-G-E-R.com. And we highly recommend it. It's so dense in some ways. I I read it like a devotional. (laughs) I'll read a paragraph and have to think about it, but it's just so rich. It has, you know, the science, it has the practical, uh, it has 30, 40 years of fly fishing wisdom from Gary. So it's just a terrific book of the series. I think I think the one, two that I like are Angler's mm-hmm. Predator and Reading Waters are yeah. my two favorite. Those are good. Well, Dave, do you know what it's time for now? It's time for great stuff from our listeners. Absolutely. We enjoy reading your comments, your questions, your stories. And today's item comes from Glenn Zarboni. He is a fishing guide in the Adirondacks. He listened to our podcast on favorite gadgets, and he offered this suggestion. He says, one gadget that was not mentioned that I will not leave home without is a hook sharpener. Hitting rocks and logs on the bottom of a river will dull your hook. A hook sharpener will keep your fly sharp and ready for the fish of a lifetime. I appreciate that, Glenn. As honestly, I've I've just never considered taking one along with me, and, and really, I'm kind of lazy. I don't usually sharpen my hooks at home, but that's good advice. Yeah, it's terrific advice. Kind of like with a knife, you know, uh, nothing worse than a dull knife. Uh, you need a sharp knife to do the job, and you, know, you need that uh, uh, that point on your hook to be sharp as well. I think. That would even allow you to pull the fish in faster and release them quicker. I, mm-hmm. I think yeah, sharp hooks really would. benefit everyone. It's a good point. Everything, I should say. Well, that'll do it for today. What other tips would you offer aspiring fly fishers for reading rivers? Please tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What do you look for when you're reading a river? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, even Google+. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast feed on your mobile phone or tablet. Each week we publish one new episode and one new article. Many listeners to Two Guys podcasts use 
Podcasts as their mobile app for the podcast. So you can find that app in your app store. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing.